Hey, this is Marie from Brad Ohio. I wanted to welcome you on a new episode of Naysayers, where we're going to be discussing about entrepreneurship, equestrian sports, as well as everything related to the company and how we aim to improve the market in the future. If you want to find out more, feel free to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, and of course, check out our nice catalog of horses. Take care of yourself. See you soon. Ciao, ciao. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm very happy to, to have you here. It means a lot to me that you took the time to look into it and that you accepted because I, I know PR is an important part of our, of our world, of our sport, and uh, it's great that we're able to talk today. Yeah, thanks. And, and thank you for considering me too. Like I'm always surprised uh, when people reach out to me about this stuff because I just don't think anybody knows I exist most of the time. <laughs> so thank you so much. And I, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we definitely do. And I mean, I've been uh, connected with you on LinkedIn for a while and you've done so much for the sport. I think it's it's pretty brilliant to be able to to cover that today and share that with, with our audience. It's interesting. That's just, yeah, like it's it's mm. not massive, but the people we've been able to put together and the coming up episodes are with brilliant, brilliant guests. And I think that we're going to be able to learn a lot by picking your brain. That's for sure. Yeah, great. Well, I'm, you just, we can get started whenever. You just tell me when. <laughs> Well, when? Um, so I first wanted to kind of discover, like, of course, for me, it's easy because I've I've had it, as I said, on LinkedIn. I've reviewed it for many, many times, and I'm kind of aware of what you do. Um, but I think it could be great to start with kind of a background to introduce who you are and, and how you're involved in a horse world. Um, sure. Um, so, and I apologize if there's noise in the background I'm trying to turn it off but I don't know how to do that Uh, um, so I uh, have been pretty much involved with horses since the day I was born Um, my father is a horse enthusiast and I was born um, into at home on a farm Um, we have had horses pretty much my entire life and I was on a horse since before I could walk. Um, Since then, I've done everything from, um, you know, galloping racehorses at the racetrack that was near my house in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, as a teenager before I went to school, all the way to um, working as a, a an FEI groom and then a barn manager and um, a vet tech for the Olympic show jumping team vet, Dr. Tim Ober, uh, before, you know, this life that I have now. Um, I like to tell people that I've had like many, many lives before. This is just the most current one. And, um, you know, I, I can tell you that I can't imagine my life without horses or without being in the horse industry, which I I didn't always think was going to be the case, but it's been quite a good fit for me. And I can also say that although my career hasn't taken the most um, normal trajectory or, you know, the journey doesn't seem to have everything connect and make sense, actually, um, all of my experiences help me to better do the job that I have now and have given me a unique perspective of the sport on so many different levels. So it's actually, you know, worked out for me um, in quite a nice way. And I feel like the diversity is, um, is actually something that sets me apart from, from my peers. Yeah, that's super cool. It's funny that you bring up the racing background. My dad is a racehorse trainer. I was born in Newmarket in England. 
The nice. capital. <laughs> yeah, the whole tracing yeah. capital. Funny enough, when people ask me where were you born, well, I was born in a house that has a stable next to it that was full of racehorses yeah. and living on site. So it's 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 always been kind of also the the blend for me between horse racing and and show jumping. I really appreciate that, and I relate to you on that level. And um, I mean, I'm sure you, you've learned so much across the years doing so so many different things. For me, it's the same. I've I've worked in so many different things and yet I'm 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 super young I'm 23 so I still have a lifetime of opportunities in front of me but I feel like you know when you don't follow the traditional path that's really what sets you apart when you're motivated Mm -hmm. and eager to learn that's really what sets you apart people that just you know follow the traditional you know do this do that get an internship go to college you know what I mean yeah no for sure um I definitely feel like um, I have had incredible opportunities to not only like travel all over the world with horses, um, but also to learn from so many people that know so much about specific areas. Um, and actually, you know, for me, if, if there's one thing that defines me, um, and sort of my path is that I'm really motivated to learn things from people that are really, really passionate about that. So like, you know, specifically, I got an art, um, an art history degree in college, which, you know, has nothing to do with horses, but I love art. And I really wanted to learn all about it from people that, that made learning about it their life. And it's been that way for horses, too. Um, You know, I think that the opportunity to, you know, really dive in on things with people that care a lot about that and make it their life and, and are dedicated to, you know, either being a vet or being a groom or being a rider or, um, you know, in business, uh, you know, most recently for me, that has really allowed me to learn the most and to really decide where my niche is because this wasn't where I saw myself uh, going in the beginning, but it is really like the perfect fit of all of my skills. And um, I also think that, you know, a passion for horses is, you know, really crosses a whole lot of boundaries in life and in business, because, you know, as you're aware, you meet so many people all the way around the world and you say, oh, well, I'm, I'm an equestrian or I'm, I'm involved in equestrian sport. And, nine times out of 10, either they know someone that rides or they ride and have horses. And so, you know, I just feel like that's a real, you know, horses are a real connecting thread for, for people. And we're so fortunate that, that we get to have a life with them somehow. Absolutely. I was recording a podcast with um, Thomas O'Mara yesterday, two days ago, mm-hmm. and he was, he pulled up the statistics saying that I think it was one out of three, something like this, Americans. Mm-hmm. recognize enjoying horses and I yeah. feel like horses whether it's on a sport level whether it's on an emotional level whether it's on a um, also an intriguing and inspiration side anyone that you know feels themselves connected to nature or emotionally connected to animals or just generally involved in sports like there's so many different profiles within the sport itself yeah I also find that very 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 interesting and um so speaking about business because like your your profile is absolutely outstanding when it comes to what you've done with the south media group what you're doing now with um oh i forgot the name sorry 
with equestrian <laughs> sports production. Yeah. <laughs> the equestrian sports production. Like, there's so much going on. So, what is one of the main things that you've learned in business and out of closing big deals with sponsors? Do you have anything particularly thinking of? Yeah. So, I think that, you know, the, the biggest thing that I have learned um, in my time in business and, you know, when I decided to transition out of what I would call like working um, in the barns, uh, you know, I decided when I was working for Dr. Tim Ober that, you know, I, I wanted to, to change into business. I had followed Phelps Media Group for a long time and I thought I could, I could really bring a lot there. Um, so I decided to then focus on really making my resume a little bit more professional. And there were several steps that went along with that and several jobs along the way. But the biggest thing I learned at Phelps that I think has carried over into my position at Equestrian Sport Productions is that you really have to take the time to get to know what makes every business and person tick. And you really have to understand that sponsorship or creating deals is not a one size fits all metric. You know, I think some of the things that we get sucked into um, in our sport, and it's not just at Wellington International, it's at every single horse show I've ever worked with, and I've worked with a ton. And, you know, fortunately, some of the best in the in the country and in the world is that when the managers or the sponsorship directors hand you a sponsorship deck. There's like six categories there for six different levels of money and the money defines the access and the category. And certainly money and investment defines engagement. Um, you know, that's a realistic business expectation. However, um, I think that you can be just as creative and effective at the entry level sponsorships as you can be at the title sponsorships and it's taking the time to meet with people um, understanding where they are and what their goals are and then actually putting the effort into being creative that is going to define your program and make it successful not only for um, the horse show but also for the business that's that's investing their money in the horse show because that's the other thing that I really fundamentally believe um, is that the people that are investing in the sport are doing it because they love horses. They want to make the sport or the horse show better and they want to succeed. And so as the person that's taking that investment, I have a responsibility to do everything I possibly can to make that successful for them. Um, and so it's taking that investment seriously, understanding that no matter the amount of money, it's a lot of money and that I have an obligation to them with my team to do the best we can for them every single day. And that's, you know, really a fundamental principle for me. And it's something that I learned again and again and again, year after year at Phelps. So it's, it's really set me up for, up for success here. And I'm grateful for that. What would you say is, because there's different approaches when it comes to sponsorship, right? What would you say so far regarding your experience has been the most profitable, at least 
upon return on investment sponsorship wise for for big brands do you think that it's sponsoring a specific show getting the brand present sponsoring a writer what do you think what do you think is the effectiveness of the different sponsorship opportunities within um show jumping you know that's that's actually a really interesting question and there's probably that's like it took me an entire day to have that conversation um with you because there's so many facets of how you interact with the sport whether it's show jumping dressage or, or hunters or whatever um I would say that, you know, the most important thing for the businesses is that they have to define what it is that they want, because I have found, um, you know, especially with young businesses that come into, into sports that they don't really understand what's going to move the needle for them business wise. And so then they end up spreading themselves too thin and they don't know exactly what works. So you have to know what works for you. Um, I personally think if you're sponsoring a horse show that you are doing that as a brand awareness exercise in marketing. So you want people that are passionate about sport to know your brand name and understand that the brand is passionate about sport and understand, you know, the product or service that the, the business brings to that through branding. Um, I can't, you know, in anything that I have done at Wellington International in, in the last six months actually is a bit of a blur for me because, you know, crazily enough, I have only been here um, for, for six months. I was basically hired as soon as season started. So I was really getting my feet wet um, while watching the sport play out, um, which is the best way to learn for me. But also, you know, I think makes everything that you learn a little bit of a blur. But I will say that, you know, some of the most successful and recognizable brands, you know, that we have in sport, like Rolex specifically, they understand what they want. You know, they're committed to top sport. They're committed to having their brand name alongside the best riders, the best venues, the best classes, the highest um, amount of prize money and, and working with, with, events and with brands that really tie into their company culture and what their goals are. And so, you know, obviously they bring so much to a venue like ours, you know, being a Rolex venue for us is an enormous, enormous honor. We're along with other, the top venues in the world. And we take that really seriously, but also, you know, working with them is such a joy because they know what they want um, you know, Hermes is, is very similar, like very defined, uh, again, NetJets, very similar, very defined. So, um, I think for businesses knowing what you want and what represents you best, and then strategically placing yourself there is, is what's going to take you the furthest. It's an interesting conversation. I feel like for, for young brands, as you say, it's very difficult to understand all the layers that come in branding. Like one of the struggles that I had, and that's something that I feel is constantly evolving, is is a brand is not just a set of colors, a logo that you put and you stamp across the whole show and you no hope the best. There's so much that comes into it. And I realized that, for example, in my experience for my brand, even though we're very small and we're starting out, and I mean, we've been in the market for a year, but I'm saying like we're not big, big yet. Um, but it's a matter of like, the culture that you have, the way you treat your client, the way you present the horses, the, everything that you do 
participates to the brand itself and his marketing. So I feel like that's also something that's very, very interesting because marketing in your case and branding in your case is the logo, okay, but it's where you position it, how the audience interacts with it, what type of pull shows there, who is there. So, so there's so much. It's it's yeah. in a way like in a way it can be considered as some form of environmental design to how the brand is perceived because of where it is uh, where it is positioned. I think that that's super super interesting. Um, and for a young brand, like of course, as you say, you have to understand how to position yourself. Let's talk a little bit about about budget. What is a good budget to consider, or um, I would say an open? How can I phrase this well? Basically, like what's a starter kit budget for a new brand, not being too high in terms of cost, but also being realistic to what you know the market is looking like today in terms of what's the required amount of money to spend to position yourself correctly at a whole show in America. That's. That's an interesting question also. I kind of very broad question. You know, I think the unique thing about America is that, um, you know, there are four quadrants, let's just say. You know, you have East Coast, West Coast, um, North and South, and then that doesn't even cover, you know, Canada and, and Mexico and Latin America, um, which are their own, you know, unique places. But America is so varied because the culture on the East Coast um, is very different than the culture on the West Coast. And it costs different amounts of money on the coast to horse show or to sponsor horse shows than it does sort of as you come more towards the middle of America. And so that's why it's so critical for young brands or small brands and, or businesses. Um, I should, probably shouldn't interchange that you know, businesses to really define what their audience is. So if you're just entering the marketplace and you have a limited amount of money, you might want to do a smaller horse show that is a little bit less expensive to activate with than, but is in your target market and a market where you feel like you can grow with their clientele. And then based on the success of that, you can expand um, I also believe that there is literally no better marketing platform or networking platform for a business than being boots on the ground at a horse show. Like you can go, you can talk to people, you can introduce the, the products or the service, you know, you meet people and then like they know people and they know people and, and then it just cascades from there. So I also think it's really important for young businesses to come in and say, I'm going to spend this money in sponsorship, but then I'm also going to invest in making sure that I travel to the horse show so that people can meet the face behind the name. That's really, really critical. One of the metrics that we rely on most here at WEF is the consumer loyalty metric for equestrian, which is staggering that 88% of equestrians would prefer to buy an equestrian brand or a brand that supports equestrian sport over a business that doesn't, even if it's more expensive. That's, that's an enormous thing to think about that we would rather spend money on products and services that care about our sport and the lifestyle that we live, even if it costs us more. So really utilizing that consumer loyalty mechanism is is critically important to me 
Um, and so that's something that I, I think they need to take into account. The other thing that I think is really important for businesses to know is, is that you can spend $5,000 or you can spend $500,000. You will find anybody to take any amount of money that you have. It's really critical that you find the right partner. And then the next most critical portion of it is that you don't just say, well, now I've spent the money at the horse show and the horse show is going to do all the work and bring the business to me. It doesn't work that way, and it's actually not fair to you, and it's not fair to the horse show managers. Yeah, the, the horse shows are there to provide a marketing platform, like direct to your target audience. So it's really up to the businesses to then spend the money to activate themselves with follow-up marketing to the horse show, like let people know you're going to be at the horse show, do targeted digital advertising around the horse show, you know. Try to create strategic relationships with other businesses while you're at the horse show to help expand your messaging. You know, I find again and again, I found this at Phelps and I see this here at my new role at ESP and Wellington International is that the most successful relationships that we have are where the business supports the sponsorship that they've spent money on by making sure that they activate. And then making sure that they engage with us with good communication, well-defined goals, and a timeline so that we can meet and exceed their expectations because that's always the goal um, for, for us. And I know that that's the goal for almost every sponsorship director at all of the major horse shows um, across the country. So, so that's sort of what I would say is, is most important. Yeah, I feel like there's so many things that come into it. I'm just, I'm just getting anxious just thinking about it. I feel like my job is hard selling horses all over the world, but honestly, being a sponsorship director, I'm not sure I'd be able to handle it. How do you, um, like another question, just completely on a personal basis, mm -hmm. you must deal with a lot of different people on a constant basis that want your input on different things, perspective, feedback solutions to their problems how do you find yourself organizing your work managing your team because also like ah oh, that's another question i'm going to add to this at the same time because there's so much going through my brain you've managed people so do you have some great insights onto how you're using also your team to be able to kind of delegate everything that's needed and structure it in a good way to as you say exceed clients expectations <laughs> yeah, I can absolutely answer that question. So the the first part of it is is that um, I'm a I'm a people person, and I love people, and I love um, understanding what makes people tick. So this is like the ideal job for me because I get to be social, um, which I enjoy. I get to travel and meet people where they are, which I enjoy. And I also get to learn about what makes people tick. And I'm, I'm like wildly fascinated um, about people and what makes people interesting. I am really fundamentally passionate about meeting people and understanding where they are. So that's why this is such a good job for me. It's why um, Phelps was such a good job for me. It's why this sport is such a great sport for me to be in because it's all about 
people and all of the people are interesting and, and come from different places. So uh, that's answer number one. Um, answer number two is that, you know, nobody succeeds in any business at any level of business by themselves. Like success is not an island. A, and one person who is successful is not an island. There are so many people that contribute to the success of one person. And it's really understanding that you have to be a fundamental team player in order to be successful um, that I think will help you get the farthest. Um, for me personally, in my management style, I want to succeed so that the team succeeds. And I also think that personal success is secondary to lifting up the people that work for me. To this point, um, I've had mostly young women that work for me and being able to act as a mentor or being able to act as a proving ground for them to then go on and have other jobs and be successful in other places. That's the highest form of achievement for me because um, what's what ends up happening is you know then we work together somewhere else and we have these great ideas and we have a lot of success and we create a really meaningful network that that's what makes me tick i i really love working as a team um i'm also an athlete uh, i've been an athlete my whole life as a swimmer and then also um with several other sports and so team work and the the team cohesiveness really matters to me. Um, in terms of the team that I have now, you know, number one, Equestrian Sport Productions and Wellington International is a huge operation and it does not run on its own. It runs because there's a huge team of people with very strong leadership at the top with Michael Stone and David Burton. Um, and so they hire good people to lead the different departments to then make the horse show run. And so I'm, I'm really honored to be, to be part, one of those heads of departments. I have four people that work for me that are outstanding at very different things. So the other thing about my management style is that you have to give people jobs that lend themselves to what those people are actually good at. So I have, one person that's incredibly good at contracts, but doesn't necessarily want to have to be client facing every day. That's great. She should help write all the contracts because I actually hate doing that. And my attention to contract detail, um, you know, isn't as strong as hers. So she should do that. So she and I succeed together in that way. Um, then I have other people that work for me that are really great at organizing prize givings or the timing of the day or understanding, you know, what activations are going to bring the most values to our exhibitors. So I work with her to do all of the brainstorming and the organizing and setting up the day and making sure that it goes properly. And so, you know, really like without those two, I don't have the time or the knowledge or the ability to, to to perform all of the things that sponsorship has to do. So it's, you know, cultivating a team. It's allowing them to do stuff that they like doing, that plays into their strengths, that gives them self-confidence, that makes them happy to come to work every day, um, that I find makes the most successful team. Um, 
And I also will say that, you know, that's a, a really big lesson that I learned from Mason Phelps. Um, when I was at Phelps is like, you have to define what you want and then hire the person that you know that can achieve that and then let them achieve and stay out of their way because their success is your success. And so that's how I choose to manage. And, you know, fortunately I've been, um, I've been really great to work with incredibly talented um, people and, and inspiring people. And, um, and I work for them now, you know, I'm, I'm learning so much as part of this team and, and I'm really, really fortunate in that way. I find that super interesting. I believe that I strongly believe that everyone has a different leadership style and everyone has a different way of working. And if you've got this ability to understand your team, give them the flexibility, hear them out, be their friend, but also their leader at the same time and, and really be able to manage people on a personal basis one on one while managing, you know, the overall task effectively. Great, great things can happen. I, I love hearing that. And um, finally, just to make this short and sweet, because we can always record another episode in the future. Um, so for anyone that would like to start a career in anything that's media production related, business related, sponsorship related, in sports or in the, in the horse world, what would be your main advice? Well, first of all, I would say... Um, if anybody listening to this podcast wants to start a media agency, um, they absolutely should. I think that our sport is woefully underserved in talented and creative people activating from a media platform um, and from a production platform. That's not to say that the people that we don't have in that space right now aren't amazing because they, they absolutely are, but there aren't enough of them. You know, our sport, unfortunately, um, is quite small. And I also think um, that I speak for a lot of people when I say the sport is shrinking from where it was in the 90s and the early 2000s um, to where it is today. And that audience is shrinking because we're becoming very elitist. And, you know, it's becoming a very expensive sport to do and we're moving away from you know the margie Ingalls, the leslie howards the bz maddens the mclean wards that like really had to work hard to achieve what their success was um and that it was that fundamental passion for horses and passion for sport that led them to be the successes they are now um that again not to say that the next generation of equestrians don't have that same passion they do but they don't have the same level of adversity um and i think that we need to bring more storytelling into the sport i think that it needs to be brought back to that that age old really powerful relationship between horses and people and we need to focus on the the amazing things that horses give us by um, jumping these huge obstacles and the amount of heart and trust that goes into it. I think we need to talk more about the story of the equestrian life because it's, it's not an easy life, but it's a life that so many people do because they can't imagine living a single second without horses in it. And we need to talk about that. And we need to tell the story about life on the road with horse shows and, and, um, you know, really represent 
all of the people that love horses and that go to horse shows, not just the people that go to the best horse shows in the world and at the flashiest destinations. You know, we're, we're more than that. And I think we're more interesting than that. And so um, I would absolutely tell them, like, come in, be passionate, be creative, um, be forward thinking and be open to seeing opportunity where you might not have thought it existed. Um, and I also think that, you know, another thing that I would just say is like, be honest about who you are and what you want and the types of clients that you want to have surround yourself with like-minded, hardworking people and you will be successful. Yeah. That's a pretty, that's a pretty beautiful conclusion. I think, I absolutely think that whenever someone has a, a dream, the only thing that should be done is follow it. Nothing else. It's, it's not easy, but it's absolutely worth it. And, uh, and as you say, our sport has so much opportunities, um, that need to be followed. So much has to be done and, and so much is still yet to be done that I think that there's a, a nice generation of upcoming entrepreneurs who could really make a nice, a nice life out of working in the horse world from a different perspective than just either riding or, or making this a sports career. Um, Lenora, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been great having you. Thank I you. love your profile. Absolutely love your story. And I think that you're doing brilliant things for the industry and I'm excited to see what happens. Cool. Thank you so much. It was great to, great to talk to you and I hope to see you at WEF or Global Dressage this year. Thank you. Sure, sure, sure. Let's meet, let's meet soon. Let's meet soon. Sounds I'm excited. Nice. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Hey, how was that? I hope you found a lot of value and a lot of learnings in this new episode of Naysays. For more information, feel free to subscribe to the podcast, get in touch with our team. And remember, if you're looking to either sell or buy a high quality show jumping horse, you know where to find us. See you soon, on to the next episode of Naysayers, and have a lovely beginning of the summer. Ciao.